Welcome to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts speaking, Frank. I am an active New York City police officer, and I'm part of Reps for Responders. I've had the honor and privilege to journey through the labyrinth with my other host, Jay, the real Jumpman Jay on Instagram. He's a veteran officer and also part of the SWAT team in one of the cities in New York. We would just like to thank you for journeying through the labyrinth with some of the great guests that we have had on the show so far. We will continue to make episodes with all the positive feedback that we have received. If anyone has any idea, topic, or anyone we would like to interview, please email us at repsforresponders at gmail.com. Reps for Responders is a nonprofit out of Rockland County, New York. We provide free open gym for all active, retired, and volunteer first responders, military, and veteran. Reps for Responders also has a weekly Zoom meeting, which is a support group every Sunday at 7 p.m. to let first responders and military let off steam or talk about anything that they want to talk about, positive, negative, or anything they're struggling with. Reps for Responders has five certified recovery coaches through New York State to help battle addiction and alcoholism. If anyone is struggling, please don't be afraid to reach out to Reps for Responders. You can find us on Instagram at reps underscore four underscore responders or visit our website at repsforresponders.org. Again, from myself and Jay, personally, we thank you. As a recovering alcoholic, I would like to personally thank you because you have kept me sober just for today. All in and have a great day. Hey. All right, Frankie, let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Inside the Labyrinth, episode five. Last episode, we had Alan Thrall from Untamed Strength. Great episode. Check that out. My name is Frank from Reds for Responders. I'm a police officer in New York. And today we have our first female guest who's not only a badass in the gym, but she's also a badass on getting people out of the labyrinth and she's also been out of the labyrinth and very mentally tough uh female so can't wait to get her going but real quick kick it to my man jay yeah it's uh it's your boy Jumpman jay aka the real Jumpman jay on instagram i'm here with my co-host frank frankie v reps for responders um looking forward to this episode so uh let's swing in our guest frankie all righty Real quick, Jay, shout out to that uh, intro. I was bumping to that. I think yeah, our trying guest to spice too, it up, bro. Our guest Danny also was uh, bumping to that. So, Danny, if you could just introduce yourself. Uh, what do you, where do you live now? What do you do for a living? Yeah. And take it from there. So, my name is Danny Tachi, and I am a strength and conditioning coach at a small Division II college in Rockland County, where currently reside but i'm actually going to westchester in 10 days just signed a lease on an apartment so oh congrats outstanding congratulations thank you to my to my side my old side of the bridge (laughs) um yeah i i also aside from coaching at college i mentor high school kids for a nonprofit. 
Uh, we talk about drug and alcohol abuse, teaching them positive coping mechanisms, empathy building, basically how to be a dope human being and get through hard times in life. Um, that's one of my most rewarding jobs, more than the strength and conditioning world. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's what I do. All right. So um, how'd you... Uh... Let's talk a little bit how you got into that um, and a little bit about your background as far as like sports. So I always played sports growing up. That was my outlet. Like that was my positive form of sublimation of any like anger, frustration I had. And mm-hmm. my sport was softball. Um, I played a little bit in college and after college I wound up not knowing what the heck I wanted to do with my life and I found CrossFit I found weightlifting and I was trying to just put together the things that I loved which was psychology helping people and sports and I I I googled it like I I, I took a year off of school um I actually went to grad school for art therapy dropped out of that, hated, hated the clinical side. Mm -hmm. And I spent a year, uh, Googling words that I liked and sports psychology came up as a master's degree. And I was like, what? That's real. Like I I didn't think it was real. So I went back to school and that's how it all started. Yeah. You could actually hear the energy in your voice. Like just by the way you responded right there, like that that definitely piqued your interest and that was something that you have like a passion about. Yeah, I remember that day so vividly, how I actually, like, saw it pop up pop up on Google, and I was like, why didn't anyone tell me about this? This is, like, my dream. Yeah, man. So, like, would you, would you, would you end up getting your, um, you have a master's or bachelor's? I have a master's degree in exercise science, but the concentration is in sports psychology. Ooh. And when I, I was like there, I'm kind of an all-or-nothing person. I'm a little bit crazy as as frank uh knows about me i i'm all in like once i like something i'm all in so i actually took all the coursework for the strength and conditioning major as well oh, okay because when i i got to the school springfield college i went to and i was like time out strength and conditioning is a major like it, there were just so many things that i didn't know about and i just wound up taking all the courses for that too so yeah i piled it on yeah, so for you, for you guys who don't know um, Danny personally, she's small but mighty. And you can kind of <laughs> hear it in, like, like the energy that she kind of projects, right? So, like you, you, like, you talk and you can hear, like, when certain, you know, when certain things excite you and, and when you, you know, I, you can tell that you're a very, like, passionate person, right? So now you dive into this whole thing, right? Now you're, 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 you're all the way in, right? You're in school. And now you're saying to yourself, all right, I just finished school. What's the next move? How did you come to that conclusion? So while I was in school and then shortly after, I I really thought I needed to separate myself from this herd of male-dominant strength and conditioning coaches. Um, what do I need to do to make myself stand out from them? So I got every certification humanly possible. I drank a lot of coffee. Uh, I studied. Caffeinated my as fuck. Off. 
for for a really long time. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this probably isn't the best thing to do if you want to go this route, but this is what I did. Um, and I just started working as much as I could in the field. And one of my first jobs was uh, a coach at Manhattan College for head of track and field and the conditioning. Man. Go Jaspers! Yeah, Jasper Deli. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I heard you say something, Danny, about like, I guess, was, was it bother you? I guess, I don't know if it's a stigma or how to word it, I guess, the weightlifting, you know, because everyone thinks the myth of if females lifting, right, they're going to get too muscular and look like a man. And that probably annoys you and annoys a lot of females that are into lifting because they think if they lift weights, they're going to basically get this physique that they, that they don't want. Yeah, I mean, it only annoys me because women really believe that still. And, like, I'm 110 pounds. <laughs> like, I've been trying to bulk for uh, years <laughs> now. It ain't happening. Um, I I lift heavy relative to my size. Like, yes, you I'm do. Not, I'm not into, like, the whole... Uh, cardio aspect of life although I keep up with it so like my main focus is building muscle and if you looked at me you know people are like oh you run marathons oh my god it makes me cry but <laughs> <laughs> like I don't portray that big muscular physique and you know it's a perfect example of just lack of education and a lot of women think they they pick up one weight and it's like instantaneous you grow muscle but it really has more to do with their lack of nutrition mm-hmm. and understanding of it all. So it's crazy right. that that's still an actual belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, like the epitome of it, because I think, like you said, like people will look at you and think you run marathons, but you are very strong for your size and, like, in, you know, relative to your body weight. It's like I and um, I, I always joke around and say this, like, so you're 100 or whatever pounds, but you have the mind of a 220 pound linebacker. So I mean, that's where like <laughs> yeah. that whole you know the mindset comes into you know, so. I could second that for sure. <laughs> yeah, like if anyone knows you, they know like that's your mindset is like it's it's like a whole other being. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. I I walk around. It's so funny. Like my boyfriend Cameron makes fun of me. He's like, "You walk around as if you can't fit through doors." <laughs> and like, and I've heard him reference think, that too. <laughs> he's like, "You always think you're the same size as like <laughs> people that are 200 pounds." And like, it's not until like I take a picture with someone, I'm like, "Oh wow." I'm actually a lot smaller than this person. Like, <laughs> I exude bigness. Uh, I think it's just because I'm loud. <laughs> hey, man, people need that, you know? That'll definitely add, that'll, that'll definitely add to it. Loud is an uh, understatement for that one. <laughs> um, go, to go back to the sports psychologist, Danny, because um, not a lot of people, I feel like I, I rarely, I rarely hear, hear that. And when I hear it, it makes me very interested. I'm like, what? really made you because you said you played softball and into into sports growing up was that part of it did you have to fight like any personal demons or did you find out like growing up and playing softball and it was really like a personal battle the whole time like you versus you to get better like every single day even if the coaches or your parents were you know kind of up your ass as like it come down to you or kind of how'd you really pick that major yeah i mean it was me search like I was searching myself. It was research oh, about Oh, I love that phrase. Me and, search people. And, listen. Yeah. Me, 
knee search. Um, and I couldn't figure out what the hell was wrong with me my whole life. Like, I I always played sports, and I and I was a good athlete. But when it came down to competition, I became extremely anxiety ridden, and I would throw up before every softball game I ever had. Oh wow! Um, I'd go behind the bleachers. I'd throw up. I'd run back out. Oh, so you my pulled a Willie Beeman. Allowed, yeah, my mom wasn't allowed to watch my games. Like, I would make her sit in the car sometimes. Oh, wow. Like, I just, I didn't like being watched. That's okay. anxiety to a T right there, yeah. right? Yeah. Reacting. Absolutely, yeah. I just, my fight or flight, like, went mm-hmm. straight up. And it was crazy. And I, I thrived under certain coaches who were extremely calming, understanding, oh, wow. and were just like, yo, go play. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. But but when I encountered a coach that didn't understand that and was kind of more aggressive towards me, I I did terrible. Like I did not play up to my potential at all. So it's crazy. Like my environment really dictated whether I was going to succeed or not. Okay. And I just didn't understand why that would always happen to me. Was there a pivotal moment when you figured that out? Like that you thrive underneath one type one type of coaching style versus the other? Yeah, uh, I had this really amazing travel coach, and he, like, wrote me a little note that, and he just gave it to me. He didn't say anything, and it said, just play on it. And I taped that to my helmet um, because I couldn't just play. Like, I always felt pressure to perform as an athlete, not to just be, and... Once he kind of gave me the the green light on, like, I don't care if you mess up. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not having fun, there's no point of you doing this. And I was like, it's not about fun. It's about winning. <laughs> yeah. It's, I... not, it's not about fun. It's about performance. It's about, you know, a batting average. It's numbers. And I was just so fixated on being the not the best at it, not better than other people, but living up to my potential. So it was just hard. The image that you created, right? In your own head. Exactly. It was an image that didn't even like exist. Only you saw it. Yeah. So I just didn't understand like why I was like that. And when I started studying sports psychology, I was like, what? There are other people that deal with this stuff? Like this is wild. Me, what'd you say? Meism, me search, me search, yeah. Meism is going to be the religion. <laughs> it's not my term, actually. I got it from this uh, guy named Ben House. I I went to a lot of retreats where he taught, and I was just like, wow, me search. Like that's what my whole life has been. It it selfishly has not been about always helping others. That came naturally. That. That came when people would ask me questions and ask me for help. And I was like, I don't know. Let me figure that out for you. (laughs) And that's why I went back to school. Well, I congratulate on that research because there's a lot of people that never get the chance to really sit down with themselves and do that research. You know what I mean? And it's a struggle for their whole life. And it's an internal battle that they they don't even know or maybe they don't even know how to do it. Yeah, and I mean, most of it's not pretty. That's why we don't do it, right? Exactly. It's a struggle. <laughs> it's easy to stay pretty and just be kind of naive. Uh, it's a lot harder to be like, wow, I'm doing something wrong. I need to work on this. Um, whether it's your fault or not, you still have to grow. Amen. Um, you're also a nutritionist, Danny, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
certified sport and exercise nutritionist and health coach. Damn, Danny, you're like a one-stop shop, kid. You know know what it was? I I started, um, I got really into weightlifting, uh, Olympic weightlifting as a sport. And when I was coaching people, it's it's a weight-controlled sport, right? So if you're coaching someone, that's who's coming to you for nutrition. If you're a strength coach in a college, the kids are coming to you. They're not going to the certified nutritionist that they have no relationship with. Exactly. They come up to you and be like, Yo, coach, protein shake, good or no? Like, like they're always asking these questions, and you need to have some sort of background to give them quality information. And you also should be certified just to have your back and be able to say the things you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it came to weightlifting, if I'm helping someone cut weight, I can't, I can't have that on my conscience that I'm not doing it correctly and safely. Okay. Right, and. If you, it's funny you said that, right, Danny? Because when you're coaching in the gym, like you know, let's just say this might be a little extreme for some people, but like two to three hours a day in the gym. But then people don't forget where the real magic happens when it's that ten to twelve hours a day of what are you putting in your body, and then it's eight to ten hours if you're sleeping or not. So that's really where all the growth and the magic happens. Um, oh yeah. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Of course, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I tell like. I'm kind of like messed up towards my fellow strength coaches. Like we work really hard, but like, it's not what we're doing in the gym. It's not the reps and sets we're doing that make the impact. It's what we're saying to these kids and they're going out and living their 23 other hours. And what impact do we have on that? Like, are we talking to them about eating well, recovery, sleep, mental health, stress management? That's what matters to me the most. So that's why I think my, sports like background is more important than you know the exercise part of it let me ask a question um do you feel like when you're when your diet is on point does it play a role in your mood and your performance as far as like mentally because we all know you feel the body properly then it goes but like I, I mean just from experience on myself I know when I'm eating right and I'm putting the right things into my body everything's firing up top so do you feel, unless unless I'm crazy, do you feel the same way or can you co-sign no, that? percent. Um, I would back that up 100%. I would say it's more important than doing anything else. Uh, I could take a month off of working out and be fine as long as my, my nutrition and my sleep is right. But vice versa, if I spent a month going hard in the gym and my sleep and my nutrition were off, I'd, I'd fall shit. Yeah, so I was... um. I was talking to Cam one day and Cam was telling me he did not know what sleep was until you came in and altered the room and he realized what real sleep was. And I don't think people really understand you have to turn your bedroom into a lair. All right. You can't, you know, sleep that room is for sleep and sleep only. And um, I guess you introduced that to him because he said he did not know that um, he wasn't sleeping properly until you came in. It's like, uh, uh, we got to make some adjustments. You came in there, yeah, right? I, you walked up to the line, called an audible. <laughs> she yelled Omaha. She bought some blackout shades. She made it. She made that room a cave, and it helped that man's performance. So, like, I want you to kind of dabble into how sleep is important in uh, in performance and like brain function. Yeah. So you know what? Hope he doesn't mind, but he's the perfect case study of who to use for this. So Cameron was a, a D one 
water polo player. And he's a handsome there. one at that. He, he is. He is. He, he says that he was a dual sport athlete, but I joke. I'm like, nah, you swam for a whole year. So that's one sport. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he was very good at what he did, right? He was the typical college kid. He thrived. He was a good student. He had his fun on the weekends for sure. But, and you would look at him and you're like, damn, you got a 12 pack and like you're, you're thriving. But we took some blood work because, you know, I forced him to take some blood work so I could look at it. And we did a few things and it's like, oh, you're not thriving. You're surviving. Um, You're, you're doing the bare minimum to get by and you think you feel good because this is the only way you've ever felt. And that's how most people live there. That's how I live my life. You know, up until like six years ago, um, I was, you know, not sleeping. And that's the general public mm. does not take care of their body. They do enough to survive. And Amen. we wonder why we get sick. We wonder why all these things happen to us. Things don't happen to us. We make them occur. And so by using him, it's like on the outside, he was like, perfect right he was great but on the inside he had a lot going on that he didn't even know about uh, in terms of his gut health and all that so yeah I threw out I literally like threw everything out in his cabinets one day and he came home and was like where's all the food I'm like no the food's in the fridge like there's no more stuff in the cabinets like you don't need any of that changed up everything yeah I was I was a little brutal um I (laughs) A little. A little. Sheesh. <laughs> I told you guys all or nothing. I changed. Uh, he didn't have a sleep schedule. He's like, yeah, I sleep when I'm, I wanna, and I wake up when I gotta go to work and I nap. Um, so we started a sleep schedule where he was waking up and going to bed around the same time, minimize electronics before bed, mm-hmm. just a lot of basic stuff that people don't do and. Yeah, even he can attest to it. He's like, wow, I never realized I actually felt like crap my whole life. Like, now I feel good, and this is what it feels like. How it's supposed to feel like, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's, it's kind of funny you said that. It's like uh, being, like, in recovery in AA, like, a lot of people say that as well. Like, oh, wow, this is what it's supposed to feel like when you're not drinking or not drugging or doing anything, that you're so used to, like, some type of habit that you're now becomes an everyday your your living source you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's becoming a behavior that's you that's, that's all you know and i mean just a lifestyle <laughs> yeah it's, it's not necessarily our fault our body is always trying to get back to homeostasis and our body is always trying to regulate itself and it really does an amazing job as much crap as we put into it it does such a great job of doing that naturally but the reason why people drink and do all these things is we're trying to self-regulate right we're trying to either come down or come up from something and alcohol causes higher amounts of cortisol to be released in like your brain so it it actually is making your body consider this as a normal right and in the short term it makes us feel good so our body perceives this as oh this is good for us it's just that long-term effect that we don't really ever pay attention to. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Oreos, right? Oh, you pop one. Oh, Oreos, oh yeah. You, you light up, right? Like, and they're oh, delicious. God, this, is, this is amazing. I actually hate Oreos. You hate Oreos? I do. That is I blasphemy, do. okay? I know, I know. That is blasphemous <laughs> language. I'm a, I'm a homemade cookie type of person. Okay. Like, uh, well, I'll give it to Danny, you. you're, Danny, you're leading into something perfect because, to me, 
like alcohol, like we, we talk about increasing the serotonin and eating, and that's the perfect addiction. There's, it's going to hit the, the brain the same way. It's just a different substance. Yeah. Most like, I mean, uh, the alcohol is not going to hit the, as an Oreo, but I meant the same chemical release exactly. you have as an addiction. That's all I was trying to get to. Yeah, it's like that oral fixation, right? It's right. why people smoke. It's why people... Chew tobacco. Whatever they do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. Pick your poison, right? Right. You know, everyone has their thing. It's doing the same thing. You're trying to regulate and it does. It it, it works and then it doesn't. So then you got to do it again. And that's where we fall into this trap. Danny, can I just say you're dropping some gems today? <laughs> I mean, you are just on point. I mean, this is, uh, I'm actually hey, he's really. He's got his uh, coal mine stick out. He's mining, baby. Let he's me tell you, man, down. it is definitely in here. Okay. So. I mean, <laughs> it's like, I don't think people realize that though. It's, uh, most people focus on it. You know, um, like, Hey, I'm in the gym. I should feel better. I'm, you know, I'm eating, I'm eating, you know, grilled chicken and, and salad. I should feel better, but it's more than that. It's deeper than that. Like, I think you just even talking about getting blood work done and kind of figuring out where these gaps are. Like, I don't think anybody's doing that type of research. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone's sitting there saying, all right, let me get my blood work done and see if, like, you know, my triglycerides are on point and make sure everything is, like, on the up and up. And that's the type of level it needs to be to take. And a lot of people can't ever, don't even know. Like, this is is not, like, Danny's not playing around. This is not a joke. You know what I mean? Like, this is the type of work and dedication that comes in every single day from her and just from, you know, that type of mindset. Yeah, I mean, we could we could spend seven hours talking about the medical model and why it's messed up and why people think they're healthy, but they're really not. I mean, health is subjective, but there are markers for health. And doctors look at, like, a bell curve type of model, and they're like, okay, well, if you're an outlier, if you're on the outside of this curve, like, you have disease, all right, let's fix that. But if you're a drop away from this disease, they don't help you until you get that disease. So it's like the problem is insurance and medical profession mm-hmm. aren't, they're not trying to make your life optimal. They're trained to treat sickness and get it under wraps because they, that's not, they're not trying to get you to your peak performance. They're not trying to get you to feel amazing every day. They're just trying to keep you alive. So you need to dive deeper and look at, oh, well, you know, my markers are here, but they could be here. Just because the doctor says I'm healthy, am I really healthy? So can I right. can I ask a question as far as that? Um, yeah. So like your approach would be more like of a a holistic type of situation. Or yeah. okay, so I, so I think like I kind of felt like you were leading that way anyway. Um, I'm a huge advocate for like holistic healing. Like I I, I monitor what I put in my body, um, and I try to research. <laughs> you know, what uh, reactions I'm going to get if I eat, you know, this or that. So um, let's kind of tap into that a little bit since you kind of focused on the whole, you know, medical aspect that they're just going to, you know, regulate and treat. And and then, you know, that sometimes leads to complications, right? So, I mean, I think for me, the the holistic route has always been the the safer route. I think Frank can kind of co-sign that as well, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm I'm a shaman. Uh, uh, I do that three days a week. So, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, I could definitely agree to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we as a society, myself included, 
for most of my life, looked for the pill to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the pill doesn't fix the problem. The pill masks the problem and then causes more problems. And so Preach. then we're, we're out here chasing all these problems that we started in the first place because we didn't dive deep and look at what the cause was. We just wanted exactly. to put the band-aid on You it. didn't dive deep into the labyrinth enough. I mean, yeah, we, mm-hmm. this alone can be a seven series podcast. Like it's, it's, it's for real. And, you know, it's as little as, I know you guys didn't think I'm crazy, but like taking like a pain reliever, like an Advil, right? Nothing crazy for like your headache. Like, but why did you get that headache? Why are you experiencing headaches? Like, why is this happening? Not how fast can I fix it? But mm-hmm. What do I need to do to get this to never happen again? Oh, so you're um, thinking about you're you're uh you're digging into more of a, what is the root of the problem, right? And yes. if we never if we never find that out, sometimes we we don't know, right? Sometimes it's just like it, it's unexplainable. But are you doing everything necessary to not have that headache? Are you seriously taking care of your body, or are you popping pills all day to just like get by and survive? Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that. Um, are exactly. you trying to survive? And there are other, you know, reasons why why this would happen. Like, friends, I work with a lot of people who want to lose weight. And they're like, well, what about this supplement? I'm like, yo, you can't out-supplement a bad lifestyle. Like, that's not how it works. Preach. You, you need to take care of your bases first. And that's why I try and go, like, the holistic route. Granted, I have helped people come off medications, mm-hmm. but I've said to certain people, like, no, you need to probably be on this. Like, I'm not going to override a doctor's ruling, but the greatest satisfaction I get is, like, I've worked with younger kids that were on ADHD medication, and for what? Yeah. Like, yeah. crazy. Granted, there Brutal. are people who need to be medicated. I'm not, I'm not one of these crazy people that are like, oh, all medicine is bad, but to what degree is it really necessary? To what degree are we just like going into the system and accepting these pills? It's like, I've been to the doctor before and I'm sorry if I'm going off on a tangent, but I've been to the doctor before and they didn't know what was wrong with me, but they were more than willing (laughs) to write me a script for A, B, and C. And I'm like, time out. So you don't know what I have. It just makes me laugh, literally. Medicine may or may not (laughs) work. So ridiculous. Absurd. And, you know, no big deal. Like, it's it's crazy. It's just crazy to me. And, you know, I was on ADHD medication. I was on, you know, all this medication that a doctor was so easy to just flick of the wrist. Here's a script. Here you go. Oh, yeah. I mean, my mom, so when I was younger, they they tried to tell my mom, this kid has has attention issues. So, uh, you know, they tried to get me to, uh, to get on medication. My mom was like, hell no, my son's <laughs> not doing that. We'll just tweak his diet a little bit. So from a very young age, my mom was able to kind of like dial that in really quick. So, you know, staying yeah. away from like foods, you know, high in sugar, like, you know, fructose corn syrup and all that good stuff, that cancer sauce. So, um, you know, um, I have a, I have a young, um, cousin who, uh, was basically diagnosis on the spectrum, right? And um, he had went to uh, Europe for a summer and was eating all these fresh foods and going to the bakery and he was getting fe- like fresh baked bread and his, his whole demeanor had changed. 
Like it completely changed all because like they new tweaked, person, right? yeah, all because they tweaked the diet and he was getting fresh vegetables, you know, you know, eating fresh produce That's and the medication right there. Yeah. And, and it was funny because as soon as he came back to the States and started eating all this junk that he was eating here, then there was this, uh, there was a, um, a change in his behavior. So they were, they were pushing for him to take medication, but they noticed that when he was, um, in Europe, that when he was, when he had this diet, he was perfectly fine. He was high functioning, you know, social skills were up there. So, you know, thank God they got ahead of it. And we're like, you know what, we're just going to monitor his diet. And he's been medication free. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that's going to work in every single case. Congrats but, to him though. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I was, I, I was elated when, when I found out that he didn't have to take medication. They just had to monitor his diet. You know? Yeah. I, I'm a, such a geek. Dork. Like I just got chills just from that story for real mm-hmm. because it just it just makes me it makes me happy but also angry because people just if we're not educated we're we can't know we can't know these things and a lot of parents they my mom is sixty six and like her generation is like you believe the person with the white coat on they're here to help you yep and. They they are. They really are. They are good in nature. They are not bad people. Like, I'm not here to bash doctors, but they're not educated in nutrition and certain aspects of health. So it's really hard. You'll, you'll go to a doctor and they'll go, yeah, nutrition has nothing to do with, with thyroid. Nutrition has nothing to do with, you know, endocrine system. It's like, no, you're wrong. It It does. And I just wish that more people would seek out holistic practices rather than going straight to the doctor. But the problem is it's, it's an insurance problem. It's a money. Mm-hmm. You, you go to your doctor because it's covered and your medications are covered for the most part. And a lot of, you know, holistic practices and functional medicine doctors, like they cost an arm and a leg for the average American. Yeah. And we don't put value into that system. And that's where the problem is. Our value is you know buying materialistic items and not satisfying what our body needs and spending the grand to see a doctor and maybe you only see him once and it helps for the rest of your life so that grand is really valuable but we just don't look at it that way absolutely no we we don't we don't um danny you hit that on the point i'm gonna ask i'm gonna we're gonna i'm gonna ask you real quick about we're kind of on let's talk about a routine and yeah. like nutrition, but more from like a, a first responder side. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough that I've worked with you. So if you want to use me as an example, you can. But how I talk to you about why, especially as first responders, we should try to eat at the same time every day. And that goes for everybody. But for us, it was like a high stress job. Eat and fall asleep and train at the same time as you can. Every, like in that time frame, almost every single day. Yeah. Um, so for people like first responders, you have a high stress job, your cognitive ability to perform tasks, like it needs to be on point. You're making critical decisions all the time that like could cost your life. And else is like, you really need to be on point and it's stressful. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the people up top on you will come down on you really hard if you mess up. So you need to be on point. And so something that doesn't involve too much stress or overthinking is going to be really great with this population. Um, decision, decision fatigue.
fatigue ruins people that have high stress jobs because you're making these decisions all day long. At the end of the day, the last thing you want to do, what do I have to have for dinner? What do I need to do this or whatever? You're in the car all day patrolling. You don't want to have to make a decision. And that's where we kind of fall apart is we only have a certain amount of decisions we can make up in a day. And then once that is over, it's over. You'll eat seven donuts if they're in front of you and you're hungry. It's not about willpower at that point. It's just about you're you're mentally exhausted mm -hmm. and you can't choose what's better for you at the moment. Everybody knows. We'll just use a silly example. A bowl of broccoli and some chicken is going to be better for your body than a greasy slice of pizza. But do we care where this food is coming from if we're strapped for time and we're exhausted and we just want to eat? Nah, we're going to get the pizza. So making sure that you're prepared and eating at certain times during the day, no matter what, is pretty important. If you have a regular shift, um, you know, trying to do things that help you de-stress after, which exercise is a great way to do that, uh, whether you're doing it before you're going into work or right after work. You know, very, very simple things. And I, I almost, I treat highly respectable adults like little children. I go, okay, we're going to use colors and we're going to use hand sizes to figure out how you're going to eat. You're going to eat two, two fistful of protein. You know, you're going to have a handful of colorful vegetables and a handful of green vegetables. you got to eat one green thing a day, one colorful thing a day, mm -hmm. and two fistful of protein. Like simple, simple. And people are like, that's it. I'm like, seriously, that's it. Cause you're not doing that yet. And until you can do that, then we can make it a little bit more complicated. That um, is, that is absolutely perfect. The way you explained it, because for, I always say this, um, actually in, uh, me and Frank actually say this too, is to keep it simple, stupid. Like that is just like a phrase that I think most first responders can relate to. Um, because the more you can simplify uh, a process like that, the easier it is for someone to follow. Because like you said, yep. it's a high stress, uh, uh, it's a high stress job and to think on the fly is, uh, is hard. So like if you keep it simple like that, more people can follow it and they can kind of stay on that baseline. If you start talking about, all right, you know, macronutrients and so on and so forth, they start looking at you like you're speaking Latin. So, yeah. when, so when you simplify the whole eating process and, and and like, let's be honest, like the average person does not have that education. You know what I mean? Like they don't even know, like, you know, your output is supposed to, you know, indicate your caloric intake and you know, you're supposed to have a protein, a fat and a carb. They don't, they don't even know that. I've seen somebody sit down and have Mac and cheese, uh, you know, pork fried rice, right. And pasta, you know, all, pummeled on a plate and like, yeah, man, this is nutritious. And it's, you know, wow. like, that's, <laughs> I got to meet this guy. Yeah, this up my carbs this, 500. Yeah, I this, this dude. Guy. And then next thing you know, he eats it and then he's comatose. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and he's not even understanding why this is happening. So that when somebody like you comes in and, and says, you know, Hey dude, let's, let's just, let's calm down with all this, with all these carbs and this starchy shit on the plate here. And let's do X, Y, and Z. Dude, that changes the ball game right there. Yeah. And I try, uh, a lot of times when I start with people, I give them, of course you need to give them leeway because the best diet is the one that you adhere to. It's not, 
anything other than that. It's not what's the best fat out right now, what's going to help you drop 30 pounds real quick. It's the one you can do for years. Mm-hmm. And I give people like a number. I'm like, okay, these are the foods you got to keep within this number. So let's say it's like a donut, pizza, whatever it is that is generally not going to be conducive to you losing weight. And I'm like, you can have five servings of this throughout the week. And they're like, well, one can I have a cheat meal? I'm like, no, no, no. That's not how we. That's not how we're going to think about it. That's how we operate. <laughs> you can have five servings of whatever the heck you want on this list whenever you want. It shouldn't be all in the same day. Like, don't go crazy, but throughout the week. That way, you're still doing what you want to do. And eventually, over time, people, they're not eating as much as they they realize they're not even hitting that five anymore. So then we could lower it to three. And uh-huh. we could play around with these numbers. And it's funny, like, we talk about macros. When I first started with Frank, like, it's been, like, six months or so or whatever. I, I don't know how long. We, we've been working together for a long time. But he was Jesus. like, all right, all right, what, what are my macros? I'm like, you're not getting macros. Like, I didn't give him macros for, like, four months in the beginning mm-hmm. and people freak out because they think the more structure they have the better they'll do it's actually the opposite yeah i'm the polar opposite and like people are like oh well how much protein should i eat i'm like you're still not going to eat enough if i give you a macro this is what's going to happen you're not going to hit it and then you're going to look at it as failure and you're going to blow this all yes so yes. i'd rather you just do a b and c for the next two months once we get there, then we're going to add more and more. Because let's be honest, some people like counting and being like a mad scientist and weighing. Not me. Not, not me. I, I'm in the same boat, I, Danny. I hate it. Like, just let me live. I know, I know I can be better if I did those things, but I actually do better when I'm not obsessing over numbers. Absolutely. Um, a master of that, balance. You hit that on a point, Danny, because now with my new numbers I have, like, at the end of the day, if I have one or two meals left and I'm like, what the hell? I 70, 70 grams of carbs away. And it's like, then I feel like, you know, oh, Frank, you, you piece of shit. Like now you just gotta, you know, you put <laughs> yourself down or something like that. Like, you know, like you, you know, you start walking around and pacing and it's like, what the hell? Like I thought I ate enough. And then, you know, it, 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 that does add stress on to me personally. So I'm happy you said that. Yeah. And I mean, for the average person who's just trying to be, you know, jacked and tan and look good and feel good and do their thing and it's a jacked and tan man that's that's what it's all about yeah that's like my i have a permanent tan i don't need a tan (laughs) like you don't need to be that crazy with it um if i'm working with an elite athlete or someone who needs to be in a weight controlled sport or someone who well i don't even work with bodybuilders because i just i i can't (laughs) that is a crazy wild world and I don't want to be involved in it, but those are the people who really need to be on point with that stuff. And yes, you need to decrease your calories. You need to know whether this is happening or not in order for you to lose weight or gain muscle. But Mm -hmm. at what cost? What should be coming before that? So, Oh, man, you are crushing these questions today, Danny. I'm telling you, (laughs) you are on point today. So we would agree, Danny, that the body thrives on a routine. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Look at little kids, right? Like they have a bedtime, they go to school, they do their homework after school, they do these things. And when, when parents, this is going to sound like off topic, but say you get divorced. Now your kid is in two homes, mm-hmm. going all over the place. They're, it really, it messes them up. Like 
ask any teacher, kids thrive off of routine. That's why, like, in elementary school, it's like, okay, 8.15 to this time. We do this activity. Yep. We That's how you're able to, to thrive. And we're not that much different nope. than little children. Like Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Like, what, what you were saying is, as a first responder, even though we're working different days, uh, usually you work the same shift, like if it's a 4 to 12, if you can get into that routine of working out before work or just getting into that routine over time, um, and you'll be able to ha- have more energy but feel mentally better. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Being in a routine and doing the same thing every single day, again, that's what it takes to become, you know, a dedicated, strong individual mentally and physically. It's like, you know, you can't just – it takes a lot more than just working out three days a week and then – you know, just different times. And just like you said before, you go to the gym, but then you start eating macaroni and cheese and eating all this. Like, no, like people want to be healthy and and want to be a strong person inside and out. It takes a lot of dedication and hard work, which a lot of people don't understand and how it affects them mentally. Yeah. I mean, we, we do have to kind of give ourselves some type of framework and schedule. And I think that's why a lot of people are struggling at the moment right now, because many of our schedules have been tossed out the window and we're home and we're not doing what we usually do. And I think that's actually having a bigger toll than anything is that lack of structure and schedule and what the heck do I do? So now we fall into the trap of, I don't want to do anything at all. Yeah. I mean, well, humans are creatures of habit, you know, and it starts, like you said, it starts at a young age and then you build from there. And if any kind of, uh, if there's any kind of discrepancies, at some point, it, you know, it's going to have some kind of residual effect, right? So it's maintaining maintaining that uh, that routine is key to being successful. So I'm going to co-sign Frankie on that. I mean, I... Yeah, put me down for that, yeah. Yeah, kick, because uh, I know me, like, I, I try to live by three things. It's like eat, sleep, thrive. And I noticed that you said this earlier in the... See, without me even saying that word thrive, you were using that early in the interview. And, um, like, those are the three things that I try to, you know live by you know eat sleep thrive i didn't realize that i was having i had like sleep issues you know what i mean i was sleeping four hours a night and wondering why i was like waking up and feeling like crap because i wasn't sleeping properly and then i you know i went to a seminar um there's a there's a um a group called uh, o2x performance and they basically just go around and um they train um you know first responders mainly firefighters but they uh actually i was able to sit in on the seminar and they explained you know the whole being able to sleep and, and, um, you know, making sure there's no like ambient light in the room and, and making sure like your eating is, you know, within these parameters and so on. So it's like, once I figured out that process, I already kind of had a, a, um, I had my thumb on the pulse of it a little bit, but I was able to dial everything in and then really lock in and then my nutrition started to like pick up and then like obviously my body composition, my energy levels, everything started to fall into place. Yeah. So like every, I, everything that you're saying during this interview just legit resonates with me and it kind of hits my soul a little bit. So I want to thank you for that because <laughs> I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not the only person that, that, that thinks like this. So. Yeah. I mean, I never valued sleep. I really like I didn't value sleep. Until even when I was in grad school, learning all this stuff, I didn't sleep. I drank so much coffee. It was so messed up. Um, and then I cooked things that 
so that would make me knock out and sleep. It was like I was constantly reading like a stimulus and then a depression like every day just so I could like try and function. Mm -hmm. And we don't value sleep. We just don't. As a society, Americans, you know what we value? The, what's his name? The freaking Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world and the people that are telling you, oh, you're not waking up at 4 a.m., you're a loser. And, you know, if you're not grinding all day until you die, you're not trying hard enough. And it's like, all right, but what, to what degree? So we have this preconceived notion that it's like, if you're sleeping, you're not working hard. And if you're getting your eight hours, you're missing out on opportunities where it's like, I'd rather be awake for 10 hours and do my best work and be doing better than I would have and performing better than I would on being awake for 20 hours and doing my crappiest work. Yeah. So we just don't, we don't value it. Um, we don't look at it as a medicine necessity. You know, we, we should all have bedtimes like we tell our children to. That's what we really should be doing. Um, I tell everyone the best thing to do is give yourself a bedtime, a sleep routine, and a schedule, and wake up and go to bed the same time if you can work permitted every day, even on your days off. Every day, try and do it. But. Sleep. sleep is where the magic happens. You want to get muscle, you know? And like you said, to supplements and everything, mood increases, your muscle will repair, your testosterone will increase. If you want your muscles to get bigger, sleep. Yeah, I mean, men men ask me all the time, oh, like, how do I, like, get bigger and, like, grow testosterone? And I'm like, yo, go to bed. <laughs> go, go to, to like, bed. Go to bed. It's, go to bed. Can you imagine that? Body. Yeah, like, and they're That's like, awesome. uh-huh. And I'm like, no, seriously, because growth hormone produces the most while you're sleeping between certain hours. So yeah. you are just digging yourself in the grave if you think that, you know, doing the opposite of that is really going to help you. Now, there are anomalies, there are freaks out there who, like, probably sleep three hours and they're jacked, but that's not the average person. Am I um, an anomaly? I, I consider myself <laughs> jacked. I sleep like four hours a night. I can look you pretty are heavy. in many ways. More than one, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's free, too, right? So, like, everyone is always looking to drop, like, 200 bucks on the newest supplement, but, like, going to bed and drinking water and like these are things that are free and we don't do them it's crazy it is crazy if yeah. it's free it's for me right yeah and like it, and you could talk about like your gut microbiome and the quality of sleep are inter interconnected as well like your recovery it, everything really stems from just going to bed and allowing yourself to do that i, I think it's it's easier said than done. It's really hard to um, be productive throughout the day and then shut your brain off and say, okay, like you now have the opportunity to go to bed and reap the benefits from that. Like we're just conditioned to believe that if we're sleeping, we're, we're not making money and we're, we're not getting ahead. So yeah. That people hard. say, you know, rest when you're dead, but if you don't rest, you're going to die. So yeah. Kind of defeats rather, the purpose. I'd rather rest now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Danny, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. But before we wrap up, I just want to ask you for a few personal questions to get our listeners just to know you a little a little better. Yeah. So first question, what's your favorite movie? 
Monty Python and the Holy Ground. Oh, she didn't even <laughs> hesitate. Yeah, not even. She went right to it. Uh, if you had one meal to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? It had to be the exact same meal. So, like, uh, like a full course type of meal, like three. Things whatever you got. Oh, she's whatever, ready, whatever, bro. Yeah. Whatever, yeah, three, whatever you want. It could be one, it could be two, it could be three, it could be four, but it's the same meal every day. Ruby meal, rotisserie chicken, Ooh. plantain, salad, rice. Damn, okay. That's the first time we heard something like that. Yes. The rotisserie chicken, is, that's right out of Mon, uh, Monty Python. Chicken is like, <laughs> it's just so classic and good. You got the white meat, the dark meat, it's great. Hey. If you can meet anyone in the world, uh, who would it be? Probably dead or alive, dead or alive. Sorry, Rita let me put Kahlo. that in here. Rita Kahlo, the, the artist. Yeah. Oh. I would meet her. She's a badass. That she is. We have to look into that one. Um, time travel, anywhere. Start a time. Where would you go? So this is going to sound kind of weird, but <laughs> I would I would go back to a point where I was younger and do something completely different and see if that like. Totally changes the course of the future. Oh like, man, so she's like on some like butterfly future. effect situation. Here. Yeah, like, go back in I time, wanted, change something here. Yeah, I want to know if that one college course or that thing I decided to do like would really make a trickle down effect. See if I mess everything up. Oh, you definitely would. <laughs> All right, I just I have, have, I, I have, I have one example. question for you, Danny. Yeah. All right, I want to see what your brain is. All right, if you were to explain yourself sonically. So if sonically, if you were a sound, what sound would you be? Yo, you're not ready for this. Huh? You're not ready for this. But Come right, on, let's ready? go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a dolphin? It sounds yeah. like a dolphin, yes. That's a dolphin. That's like my one talent I have. <laughs> well, we know so what you were before. Be a marine we mammal. know before your, your pre, pre-life as a human. She wants to go back to the. She wants to go back to the past and become a dolphin again. Become a dolphin. I would love that. They're great. <laughs> wow, man, that was a great was answer, awesome. Danny. <laughs> and Danny, if you had one workout movement to do every single day, one movement, what would it be? Front squats. Oh, wow, I hate front squats, but okay. Yeah, they Build suck. Those squats, they baby. Suck so much. But they're good. Yeah, that's how you get awesome, that clean Danny. up too. Oh man. Well, it was. It was an honor to have you on the show, Danny. Um, thank you so much for coming and being such a, a powerful voice you know, on the show and our first female. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, as always, Frankie here. You can find me at reps underscore four underscore responders. Jay, where can they find you at? They can find me on Instagram, the real jumpman Jay, spelled as it sound. And where can they find you, Danny? On Instagram at DTOCC. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate we you go. for having us. Oh, we appreciate you uh, uh, being a guest on the show. Um, we may have to bring you back because I think I think we can definitely, uh, you know, go deeper into the labyrinth on this. I'm for it. I like talking, talking shit, so. All right, well, Danny. We're, we'll be ready for you, Danny. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right. Take care. Have a good one. God bless.